following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So this morning, I am going to be talking through my favorite Bible story, which when Pastor Ted came to me with that, I was like, man, I do like lots of the stories in the Bible. But one that came to mind that I really love is the baptism of Jesus. And so we just had that in our reading. Sorry, I have to get up my notes. Um, And so I finally landed here, and I just really love this story. It's something that gives us just great depth of not only the baptism of Jesus himself, but what baptism is for us. And it's just beautiful. It's so cool, all the different things that happen in it. And it's one of the few spots in Scripture as well uh, that we see the physicality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in the same space. Um, There's talk about that also being in Genesis at the beginning where uh, there's this point of saying, let us make man in our image. There's connection there. But this is the one spot that's really like, oh man, we get the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together, and I just think that's really cool. So let's see what all that means for us. First, we're going to revisit Matthew chapter 3. If you have a Bible on your phone or you have your physical Bible with you, we're going to be there and in Romans 6 most of the time this morning, so if you want to kind of camp out there, that'll be great. If you don't have a Bible, we have some extra, and we'd love to give that to you. So let me get here to Matthew 3. This is 3 verses 13 through 17. So it's the same thing we read just a second ago. I just want to read it again. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we get John the Baptist here. This is who Jesus comes to be baptized by. And he has been proclaiming Jesus is coming. Um, If you read even just a little bit of chapter 3 right there beforehand, that's what you get. And so Jesus shows up. He's like, I want you to baptize me. After a quick back and forth, Jesus convinces John to baptize him, um, which if you're Jesus, I don't don't know if like it takes much convincing. Okay, I'll listen to you, you know. And it's not going to be any, not the other way around like John thinks it should be. And so when Jesus is baptized, the Holy Trinity, like I said, God the Father, God the Son, being Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit are all present. And so we get all of that, and all of this same imagery then is what is the same thing that's used then when we are baptized, right? We're baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so in connection to Jesus' baptism and what we witness there, we can start to see part of the gift that baptism is to us. Now, after, sorry, scrolling through my notes here. After the baptism of Christ, one of the next places we probably see baptism being done 
is then when Jesus is sending out his disciples in the Great Commission, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in my name. And so we get baptism there. But then after that, one of the times we probably hear about baptism is our own baptism, if we've been baptized, or the baptism of others that we care about. Um, now, also, a fun fact, today on the church calendar is what we call Pentecost Sunday. And that's where we remember Pentecost in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit comes down and is in tongues of fire upon people. And in that time, over 3,000 believe and are baptized. So kind of cool connection there today. And so after those different things, like I was saying, our baptisms and the baptisms of those we care about are probably what we think about next. For me, I was baptized the day I was born because I was born 10 weeks early and my parents were worried, rightly so, about my health. And so my dad baptized me in the hospital the day I was born. Um, and that was just a way of them going, we want Matthew to be part of God's family. Um, for Deanna and I, we baptized Millie about two weeks after she was born and that was a thing for us that we wanted her to be in God's family. We want her to know the goodness of who he is. And a really cool thing about that too was then my, it was just a little ceremony at our house and it was our families. And the cool thing was the baptism itself was done between my dad, who's a pastor, Pastor Ted, who's my brother, and me. And so it was really cool um, getting to have that element together of not only, man, here's the baptism of, of Millie into the family of God, but that we get to do it as a family that all are in that family already. And so now before we get into all the theological and beautiful intricacies of baptism, we're going to go back to Romans 6 real quick and uh, get into some of that uh, crazy imagery of what baptism is talked about there in Romans 6. This is verses 4 and 5 that we had earlier. Um, and so it says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And I have read that verse many, many times and heard it many times, and I think I forget the weight of it. Because in baptism, we die and are raised from the dead. Now, for all of us that have been baptized, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we probably haven't physically died and physically come back to life. Um, if you have, let's chat later. That sounds like a great story. Um, and so with that, it can be kind of strange, right? I think we talk about death and resurrection sometimes in a way that I know for myself can go in one ear and out the other. Like I talk about Jesus's death and resurrection quite often, and I think I forget the weight of it. In society, we don't like to really think about death. We do everything we can to prolong our lives, and then we take death and we hide it away in cemeteries. Um, and they're beautiful places, but it feels like a lot of times they're places we try to avoid. Um, and so death can be this really strange thing. We, we don't like it, right? And then on the other end of baptism, though, we see a resurrection from the dead. They're both unbelievable at face value, but 
the word of God says that this is what happens when we're baptized. We die. And that death is not a physical death, right? Like I was saying, where I don't think any of us have died and come back to life, but it's that we're dying to our old self. So then we see here in Romans 6, 9 through 13, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. So if we're then tracking along, right, if our baptism is connecting us to Christ, then our death in baptism is we're dying to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also might consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And then also here at the very end of 6, we have 22 and 23. But now that you have been set free from sin in our baptism and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that can feel like a lot, um, but I really like the quick breakdown that in Luther's small catechism on baptism, one of the short sections here says this, Baptism works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. And then finally, we also receive um, the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism. So not only are we free from sin and death and we're walking in newness of life, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so just as the Holy Spirit, we see descends upon Christ as a dove and rests upon him in baptism, the same is true for us. Titus chapter 3 says this, He, God the Father, saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. What a beautiful gift, right? Right there in Titus, we get that nice little wrap-up that's all of these things are not dependent upon us. They're dependent upon the goodness of God and upon the work of Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. And it's, we're changing ourselves from sin and death to new life and righteousness. And we receive the Holy Spirit to help us guide and go through this crazy life we live because we're not going to not sin, but we're free from what would sin give us? Death. We're free from that because of Christ's work in our baptism. And so as we navigate the world and our broken desires, the Holy Spirit is with us. And so more on that in just one second. We say, I, I go through all of this talking about us and our baptism, but let's get back to Jesus' baptism. Why was he baptized, right? We can look at it and think, all right, he's the son of God. We know he lived a sinless life. Why would he need to be baptized? Well, it's because his baptism is also for our benefit, right? We see that baptism is a beautiful gift. And so Christ's baptism reminds us that as the Holy Trinity is present working in his baptism, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Trinity rather, is also present working within us at our baptism. So we just broke down that in all the different portions of how baptism works 
that we are united with Christ in his death and resurrection, which gives us new life to walk in. Oh, sorry, it scrolled on its own. Uh, there we are. And so this is God the Son working in our baptism, right? If we're thinking about the Holy Trinity, he gives us new life. Christ's baptism points us to the riches that the Holy Spirit uh, gives to us, rather. And we receive the Holy Spirit to live that new life bound to Christ's life, death, and resurrection. The Spirit guides us and helps us to seek God and his righteousness in all that we do as we continue to seek him every day of our lives. And as our faith grows more and more, and as we seek to love him more and love our neighbors more. And then this is one really cool moment. I think a lot of times we can skip over this and think, oh, this is another part of this Bible passage that I've heard before. But baptism also marks us as gods. We're part of his family. We're his children, and he loves us. This is a beautiful thing that I'm sure uh, we may have heard hundreds of times, times before, right? And like I was saying earlier, kind of with the death and resurrection idea, it goes in one ear and out the other maybe because we've heard it a lot. And so this is what God the Father speaks over Christ when he is baptized. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So in our baptism, the God of all creation says the same over us. He blesses us. And it's beyond measure, because not only do we get the granting of forgiveness and new life, freedom from sin and death, the Holy Spirit to be with us, um, but then he calls us, his children that he loves and he's pleased with. Um, and don't let that part, last part be lost on you. God doesn't just tolerate us, right? Like waiting, waiting for us to maybe either get it right one time and be like, there, yeah, finally did it. Or waiting for us to screw something up and go, well, eh, yep, there you go again. He's pleased with us just as we are. And so I want us to take a moment and I want you to say this to yourself. I am, I, I am a beloved child of God, and he is pleased with me. Let's try that one more time. I'll get it right. I am a beloved child of God, and he is pleased with me. Now turn to your neighbor and say this. Now you can get your neighbor on the other side. Unless you don't have a neighbor on the other side, then you can say it again to the same person. So this is the identity we're given in baptism. We are God's children. He loves us and he's pleased with us. And that's because of also the work that Christ does in our baptism, that we are free from sin and death. And so God doesn't, doesn't see any of that because it's been washed away in Christ's sacrifice. And then as we go out, we're strengthened and sent with the Spirit, right? So right after this, if you jump to Matthew 4, you get the temptation of Jesus. He's baptized and then immediately goes into the wilderness for 40 days and is tempted by the devil. Um, I'm very thankful that when I was baptized, that did not happen, that I was not sent into the wilderness for 40 days to be just straight tempted the whole time. But it's the reminder to us that just as Jesus was baptized and then went out to be tempted, we 
as we are baptized, as the Holy Spirit is with us, we don't go out into the world all by ourselves. We don't go out going, well, I hope I get it right today, right? Um, because if you're like me, you're going to probably mess something up during the day, right? And if, if that were the case, we're going out by ourselves, it'd probably just be a big pity party, and we'd be grumpy or sad all the time, or it'd go the other way, and we'd just be angry at ourselves all the time. But the beauty of our identity in baptism is that we can lean back on that when we are tempted, and when we succeed, we can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit guiding me. And when we fail, we can go, Lord, thank you for still loving me. Thank you for calling me your child. And so as you go out this week, let that be what you remember, that you are God's child. He loves you. He's pleased with you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the beautiful gift of baptism to us, Lord. I thank you um, for the baptism of Jesus, that in that moment we see the beauty of who you are as the Holy Trinity and how you act in our lives through baptism and beyond. This week, when times are good, Lord, and when times are bad, and when times just kind of feel normal, I pray that we would remember you love us. We are your children, and you are pleased with us. I pray that we would remember in all those moments that you are guiding us through the Spirit to love you and love others more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.